So what is school for? Seriously, I'm asking. Like, if you were to take that question, what is the purpose of school? What is it for? How would you answer? You know, I had a conversation, which you're going to hear on today's podcast, which, if I could say so, it's it's pretty awesome. <laughs> I talked with uh, Seth Goldenberg, who wrote a new book called Radical Curiosity. But listen to the subtitle. This is exactly for ruckus makers. The subtitle is Questioning Commonly Held Beliefs to Imagine Flourishing Futures. So you can tell just from that title of a book, right? And the idea of radical curiosity, that this is a show just for you. But back to my question, what is school for? If we question all the parts that make up this concept of school as we know it today, and we were charged, like let's say the the presidents of all nations around the world said, you, ruckus maker listening, you are going to lead the task force that is going to rebuild, reinvent, and reimagine school, how would you do it? Well, that's a fun question to think about, isn't it? And it's a lot like the question I end, right? Every podcast, if you were building your dream school, what would you do? So enjoy today's conversation with Seth. And welcome to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, a show for ruckus makers, those out-of-the-box leaders making change happen in education. And we'll be right back after some messages from our show sponsors. Deliver on your school's vision with Harvard's Certificate in School Management and Leadership. Learn from Harvard Business and Education School faculty in self-paced, online professional development specifically designed for pre-K through 12 school leaders. Courses include Leading Change, Leading School Strategy and Innovation, Leading People, and Leading Learning. Programs run October 12th to November 9th, 2022. Apply by Friday, September 30th for our upcoming cohort at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. Are you automatically tracking online student participation data during COVID? Innovative school leaders across the country have started tracking online student participation using TeachFX because it's one of the most powerful ways to improve student outcomes during COVID, especially for English learners and students of color. Learn more about TeachFX and get a special offer at teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. That's teachfx.com forward slash BLBS. All students have an opportunity to succeed with Organized Binder, who equips educators with a resource to provide stable and consistent learning, whether that's in a distance, hybrid, or traditional educational setting. Learn more at organizedbinder.com. All right. Hey, Ruckus Makers. I am here with Seth Goldenberg, who's a designer, curator, and entrepreneur who harnesses the power of questioning to catalyze innovation and cultural change. He's the founder and CEO of Curiosity and Company, a one-of-a-kind bookstore, experience laboratory, and design venture studio, and the creator of the Ideas Salons, invitational thought leader retreats that tackle the essential questions of our time. Seth is also author of Radical Curiosity. Here's a copy of his book right here. Okay, Radical Curiosity, Questioning Commonly Held Beliefs to Imagine Flourishing Futures, and that's available August 23rd. Seth, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. I, lo- I love the chief 
ruckus maker. This is good. You know, it's a it's a nod of the cap to one of my heroes and mentors, uh, Seth Godin, who's always talking about making a ruckus. And since day one, starting this podcast, that's been a way a flag that I've been waving, and the audience has really uh, gravitated to that. So we're going to make a ruckus. I know through this uh, this conversation, and there's a lot to talk about regarding you. But I actually want to start with your wife, if that's okay. And you okay. told me that um, she created her own you know, a charter high school. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and through just watching her build this thing, uh, you learned a great deal from her experience and you realized, right. That, that questioning was a, a big piece, I guess, of the school's success. So, uh, mm. we'll start there if that's all right. Yeah, absolutely. And again, thank you for having me. I was just checking, I was making sure on my side, you know, just real quick to, to identify, with your chief ruckus maker. One of my heroes is Maurice Sendak. Okay. From where the wild things are. And of course, the great line is let the wild rumpus begin. I wasn't sure if it was ruckus. I was just making sure. Was it ruckus or rumpus? It could have been both. Right. Could be both. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No. So yeah. uh, So my wife who is, uh, amazing and fascinating education entrepreneur. She founded the first secondary charter school in the state, state of Rhode Island with a, a team, uh, a co-founding team of incredible uh, leadership women who are just ruckus makers of their own. And, uh, you know, I wound up partnering with her when I was at Rhode Island School Design, RISD, the kind of uh, Harvard of Design Schools, which brought me originally to Rhode Island, where I'm speaking to you today. And one of the things I learned from her is really how the Socratic method and the practice of essential questions became the operating system of their curriculum and many of their courses and uh, pedagogical frameworks. And as she and I uh, began our relationship, I felt like I was getting a a second uh, profession and education myself. And one of the things that connected us was this idea of questioning. And as a designer who has been schooled in design thinking, questioning is absolutely the central, if not the first, step and a kind of journey of design making. And for me, I always felt like it's a quick step that, you know, is immediately going to the next stages as IDO or McKinsey or all these practitioners who do design thinking work on. But I felt like it's kind of the penultimate step. So design is a practice of asking questions, but I didn't really know about this other kind of entire world of pedagogy as a practice of asking questions. So this is a, a marriage made in heaven, right? Yeah, it sounds like it. So in, in, in questions is uh, obviously, like you said, you know, integral to, to how you show up and serve in the world, certainly a foundation. But during our, our pre-chat, you mentioned something that, that uh, set off my spidey sense. You said you love asking Thorny, the thorniest and most radioactive questions. (laughs) Can you uh, dig in a bit and tell us, like, what what does that mean? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, I call the book Radical Curiosity Mm -hmm. as a a practice. I I believe in my studio, we're inventing something that's after design thinking, that we're calling Radical Curiosity as a kind of mindset and, and practice. And the term radical 
comes from the Latin root of radicalis, which really means to the roots of things, radicalis, the root. And so it's not just passive curiosity. It's not just a kind of wandering. Radical curiosity is really about questioning the very assumptions of things, the very foundations where those legacy narratives are born, right? So it's not just um, a kind of uh, responsiveness, meaning a call and response, like a dialogue, a question and answer. It's much more proactive and intentional to say, well, what do we really mean by health or ecology or justice all the kind of human experience, human condition questions, those big things that make up the human experience, those are the things that really are compelling to me and what radical curiosity is all about. Because I think we don't ask those harder questions enough. And this term of the radioactive or the thorny, it's almost like much of society, we kind of avoid them. We, we kind of stay on the surface. It feels familiar and uh, recognizable, but maybe if we need to be uncomfortable to, in order to really get kind of deep in the layers of the onion to really figure out what these models are based on, that might be the only place where we can really get to something more transformative. Yeah. So, you know, it sounds like you need to, you need to create the space, right, to, to be able to engage with those kind of questions. But when you're working with leaders, you know, what else goes into setting up that environment, right? That you can, that you can wrestle with these really essential questions. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a great question. I mean, I, I think that we, I think we underestimate how much trust is required to do that heavy lifting. Yeah. You know, and and also how much trust has been fractured uh, recently. Mm. Uh, And I mean, recently at a kind of multi-decade scale. I mean, I think, you know, there's, there's so much talk and so much writing now about, you know, returning back to normal post pandemic. But I, I do think that the pandemic, it was an existential crisis that maybe made the kind of spelunking of getting deeper into these radical questions uh, more accessible and more necessary. We finally are saying, well, what do we mean by work? Where do we work? What is the value of work? Uh, all, all these things are finally, I think, coming to the surface now. And I think trust has both been broken and trust needs to be deeply cultivated. So I think the social space, not just the literal space, but the social space of the intimacy of trust that is required to really open up these harder questions is the real thing. So when, when you're working with leaders, uh, now, you know, you're the expert, so correct me wherever I'm wrong, but I, you know, I think you have these design studios and creativity labs. You talk about idea salons and, and you're, you're wrestling with these thorny and uh, radioactive questions. And now you just talked about this piece of trust and maybe, Trust is fractured, so we have to rebuild it and, you know, make deposits and relationships and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, what does that look like for you, right, to, to set the stage uh, now to build the trust so that we can get to the question, get to yeah. the questions, right? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, how, what's your approach? Well, we, we deploy a variety of techniques, uh, but yeah. it's also just a kind of way of life. I mean, uh, I'm calling today from the island of Jamestown, and okay. I, I live 
on an island as a, as a design innovation guy that is not Manhattan, which is rare, right? <laughs> we chose a different island. And uh, we have really had the pleasure of hosting uh, our clients and collaborators when organizational leaders want to work with us. They often will come to our island, and we have a great saying, we say, slow down in order to speed up. Yeah. And this island is a very small farming, rural island, less than 4,000 people. And slowing down is a way to kind of methodically kind of move time at a different pace in order to make sure to get the questions right. Because right? the wrong question can do harm. An okay average question could pre- create some value. But to really slow down and cultivate trust through a kind of pace, through a kind of, um, you know, retreat-like environment. I mean, America doesn't love its retreats on accident. Sometimes it's interesting to question, well, why do we leave the office to do strategic planning? Why do we leave our cubicle or our desk to think deeply? Well, I think there is something about the removal and being placed in nature mm. to slow down, to break bread. There's all kinds of rituals we deploy about food, yeah, yeah. about being in and near water, all these things. You know, it's not on accident, right? Right. I can relate. I'm, I'm coming off of a conference slash retreat. Uh, one of my coaches, right, he, he lives... Sometimes in California and then half the year in Medellin, Colombia. So I don't know if you, if you've been there, but that was my first time to Colombia. Wow. I'm in love. Like I might move there type of thing. And, and, uh, we had two days of just inspiration, right? Amazing speakers. You had the, the relationships, the breaking of bread, like you're talking about. But then a, a key piece, uh, talking about water. Two days uh, on the river, the Rio Rio Verde, right? Whitewater rafting and camping in the rainforest, like that. That broke open my heart, right, in my mind, in ways that it needed to happen. Um, but I'm really resonating with what you're saying. Go ahead, tell us. Well, it's so interesting. No, I love what you're saying because I think it sounds like whoever you're working with, your mentor, I mean, being on the, the river, whitewater rafting and camping in the, the, the rainforest, I just wanted to kind of uh, share that part of one, one of the uh, building blocks described in the book, Radical mm. Curiosity, is yeah. innovation as a practice of awe. Ooh, yeah. And awe has become a new language that I've become really uh, just entangled with. Uh, you know, we know the sublime, we know the spectacle, we know the idea of uh, being kind of overwhelmed with beauty, that we feel a sense of awe. But as a part of the book, I did some research about how science and psychology is catching up to awe, how uh, we are now better able in a kind of neuroscience sensibility to describe what happens to us in awe. And one of the things we found was that, you know, when you say, oh my gosh, that blows my mind, you know, we say colloquially, right? Yeah. What that means in a psychology and a kind of neuroscience sense, it's almost like when we encounter awe, when we say it blows our mind, it's actually that a new version of the world, a new view of the world 
has entered our mind. And we have to accommodate and acquire this new idea to literally stretch and expand our previous understanding of the world. And I bet that whether we know it through science or just instinctually, we go on the rapid river, we go camping in the rainforest. We, the more we put ourselves both in slow space, slow time, but also in encounters of awe, really do enable us to reorder our mental models so that curiosity can flourish. So I love hearing what your example was. Brilliant. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Seth. And so, and for the ruckus maker who, who's watching this video or listening to the podcast, I want you to, to write down these two questions and think about that are inspired by Seth. So how this, how during this year, are you going to slow down so that you could speed up and you personally, right? As a leader, but also think about your organization and your staff. And then, you know, this inspiring piece about awe, like, how are you going to innovate and engineer that for yourself and for your staff as well? So those are two things, you know, I, I definitely want you to uh, consider. So let's let's move on to Idea Salons. I just, I love the name and I want to know more. So, you know, <laughs> if I, I was to come to one of your Idea Salons, like, tell us more. What's that all about? Yeah, well, so my company was launched at an Idea Salon. The very first thing I did when I started my business was I established my dream of the Thanksgiving table, the you know party, the convening that I always wanted to have. And it's really inspired by the history of French salons, right? This was a space for revolution where uh, philosophers and business leaders and cultural artists of the day would come together and discuss the big questions of the moment and imagine and kind of activate the revolution to respond. And I felt like most conferences were very transactional. It was a, it's a format in our modern world that I feel is a bit tired. And so the Idea Salon is a kind of an unscripted version of a conference. And so literally the, the, the experiment began as if we had three days and 60 people and no sage on stage, no speaker, no talking head, no script. But we just said, let's identify the big questions of the day, debate them, and imagine ways forward. What would that look like? And so it's an experience. It's a kind of three-day dinner party that has lots of choreography, but it's kind of invisible to the guests because it's a very open format. And what we find is that if it, things get too scripted, there's not the raw, unexpected new thinking that is really required. So I would say what you would experience is almost more like the Blue Man Group kind of uh, theatrical experience of ideation in a less scripted format that we find often yields the big ahas. I'm going to have to press and push you a bit on this idea of being unscripted though, Seth, because uh, not necessarily leaders I support, but I'm making, I guess I'm making a generalization, but leaders like control. All right. I've heard Often. that rumor. Is it? It's a rumor. <laughs> <laughs> and so here you are saying unscripted, right? In three days too. You know, mm -hmm. you know, this is a significant amount of time, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you, how do you approach that as a leader? And what tips would you have for the, the ruckus maker who's engaging with our conversation? It's a great one. Yeah, look, it's not easy. 
to be in a terrain that feels less known, less stable, less tangible. But we think this is what is required for curiosity to kind of become comfortable not knowing, right? Answers have replaced questions. I mean, by the way, think about it. You talk about your, the, the leader, the current most mature terminal degree in business leadership is the MBA, mm. Masters in Business Administration. The business leader today is conditioned to administer predetermined answers. And we believe that here in my studio, that real novel solutions that are required to fit the complexity of today requires less of a deployment of blueprints that already exist and a return to a kind of Socratic method of asking questions in spaces that are less certain. Like, what do we really mean by fill in the blank X? I mean, I love hearing about, you know, there's there becomes this black and white, left or right, like fund or defund the police. This mm-hmm. is not helpful. What is really interesting is when a community comes together and says, what is justice for us? Mm-hmm. Let's redefine justice where communities in the post-George Floyd uh, Black Lives Matter movement have begun to say, let's run a community cooperative discourse, a civic imagining to define what safety is, what justice is, what we want our community to look like. They're less scripted. They're less certain. They're less transactional. This is kind of what we do at salons. Sure, there are some boundaries, but it's not uh, it's not musical chairs. It's not stand up, sit down. Sometimes you have to discover even the question in order to know what journey you're on. And we think this is where really important things happen. Yeah, these are important questions. What's justice? What is safety? Right. So I can I can only uh, imagine how engaging these debates and conversations are at the salons. Uh, but uh, but another one that we should be thinking about is what what is education? Right. Mm-hmm. And you have a chapter in your book uh, that talks about how education is too big to fail, but maybe it should, right? Now, that, that sounds like a funny assertion to me. <laughs> and, and our, our, you know, ruckus makers would love to hear your take on that. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I, th- I think we tend to think of our own individual experiences. It's very difficult to work at system scale. But at a system scale, at a national scale, I believe that virtually every social system is facing an existential moment. And the very premise of the design of these social systems needs to be put under duress, under examination. And for me, education at a a national scale, right? I mean, imagine, and I'm sure you encountered this with your, your viewers, your, your ruckus community, right? If you corner someone and ask them, do you really think the national system right. of education is working? Mm-hmm. Very few people would just quickly say yes. Say, well, not really. Here's what I do, or this is what I hope. This is what I believe. So let's just imagine for a brief moment, give me a little rope to hang myself. We don't believe the grand experiment of public education is working. But speaking of safety and justice, we'll throw you into jail for not attending. 
called truancy, right? I mean, what has happened is, you know, we, we tend to just kind of uh, adopt legacy narratives, as I call them in the book. Mm-hmm. We're born into a series of histories that we were not a part of developing or deciding, right? And we come into this world and apparently money exists, the uh, ecosystem is, is stra- at strain, and education is from 7.30 a.m. to 3 p.m. everywhere in America, and that's how things are. But I think, you know, designers are wildly optimistic. For me, the question is, let's, can we even have a conversation to say, what is education for? Are we just assuming it has to be how it is? How willing, speaking of the term ruckus, what level of ruckus are we willing to embrace to consider the reboot button, the kind of refresh and operating system? It's like the Safari reboot on your computer should happen in every social system. We should entertain schools that don't look like anything they look like now. Mm-hmm. I'm tired of the micro you know, mini changes and, you know, move this to the left and that to the right, we should entertain a much wider cacophony of experiments. I could tell you're a design guy. <laughs> That's wonderful. I, these are the type of things that uh, keep me up at night, right? And I love to just like uh, ponder. So, you know, and, and maybe um, I'd love to hear you riff on the idea of moving beyond the four walls of the classroom then in you know, what does it look like to create more authentic and real life experiences for our students? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's like, it's the famous quote, right? Uh, it was either, uh, it was Einstein, right? He said, the only thing that gets away in the way of my learning is my schooling. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, I think for me, uh, look, I've, uh, my wife's school that we began this conversation with, their thematic approach to their charter school is service learning, which, you know, I'm a big believer in when you uh, work in your community and uh, contribute to your community as a way to learn uh, interdisciplinary project-based civic skills. Um, I began at RISD, uh, I founded a, an institute called the Center for Public Engagement. And it was very important for me, even at a collegiate uh, uh, level, at higher education level, to get artists and designers and digital media makers outside of their studio in the classroom and into the real world. And I think for me, uh, you know, I, I believe that, you know, life is not a schedule. Life is not a curriculum. Life is not, you know, run by school periods. Life is a collection of encounters. And I think, you know, I would love to imagine a school of the future that uh, requires no walls in which we are uh, traveling and extending our radius of exposure uh, by being with the world, right? Yeah, definitely. I, I really resonate with that. I've, talk, I've talked about a school that doesn't have walls and that kind of thing too, because the, class, the classroom's all around you, right? Mm-hmm. And there's learning experiences and ways that you can make, uh, yeah, make a difference, make an impact, right? Outside of, uh, outside of a school. So I'm loving this conversation, Seth. Um, we're going to take a quick break just to get in a few messages from our sponsors. When we return, I'd love to ask you the, the same three questions I end with all my guests. Today's show is sponsored by the Harvard Certificate in School Management and Leadership. You can learn how to successfully navigate change, shape your school's success, and empower your teams with this program. 
Get online professional development that fits your schedule. Courses include leading change, leading school strategy and innovation, leading people and leading learning. You can apply today at betterleadersbetterschools.com slash Harvard. The Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is also brought to you by TeachFX. Research shows that the more students speak in class, the more they learn and the better they perform. TeachFX has helped hundreds of schools increase their student engagement by visualizing for teachers what portions of class are teacher talk time versus student talk time. So learn more at teachfx.com. And finally, today's show is proudly sponsored by Organized Binder, a program which gives students daily exposure to goal setting, reflective learning, time and task management, study strategies, organizational skills, and more. Organized Binder's color-coded system is implemented by the teacher through parallel process with students helping them create a predictable and dependable classroom routine. You can learn more and improve your students' executive functioning at organizedbinder.com. And so we're back with Seth Goldenberg. Uh, He wrote this wonderful book. I have an advanced copy, but it's available August 23rd, Radical Curiosity. So pick that up everywhere books are sold. By the way, side note, I loved seeing you like nod along as I was doing the sponsor reads. I found that like super encouraging. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but thank you. No, I really, yeah, uh, no, I, I, I've not been uh, as intimately aware as some of the those uh, offerings and services. So it was interesting to hear what you and your community are connected to. It's exciting. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So uh, I can't wait to ask you these questions. I ask all my guests, but all the answers are obviously as diverse and unique as the guests that I speak with. And so, Seth, if you could put a message on all school marquees around the world, but just for a day, what would your message read? (laughs) It's like (laughs) the marketing billboard uh, agency of record of all the education uh, sector, right? Yeah. I mean, I can't resist. I mean, radical curiosity, uh, the the subtitle is question commonly held beliefs mm. to imagine flourishing futures, right? And I, I think, look, I just believe uh, that in order for people to retain their voice, their agency, and authentically uh, work to co-author the future, yeah. they need to question everything. And so I would, yeah, just, I would just make two words, question everything, period. Yeah. And listen, ruckus makers, pick up Seth's book because this is a part of our leadership presence, right? As a ruckus maker, we are questioning and challenging the status quo and tradition and commonly held beliefs all the time. You're going to love radical curiosity. So so definitely pick that up. All right, Seth, you're building a dream school, right? From the ground up, you're not limited by anything. Your only limitation, I guess, is actually your imagination. So how would Seth build his dream school and what would be the three guiding principles of the school? Uh, three guiding principles. It's more complex. We're in full mission architecture now. I say, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, it's for me, I mean, we started to touch on this uh, momentarily ago. Um, but I, I think it's less about a building or a place than a kind of pedagogical entry point, if you will. And... You know, I think that the world today has so many challenges, but it's like a wildly exciting time to be alive. We have more 
capacity, more computing power in our pockets, in our phones than most Hollywood studios had, you know, uh, at the, at the mid century. We, we, we almost underestimate the pure abilities surrounding us, right? Mm. It's a renaissance of possibility. And so if we took every major question that is a part of public life, uh, we talk about it here in our studio, how will we live, learn, work, play, and sustain ourselves in the next Mm -hmm. century? I think schools are the best environments to learn by doing, but as a kind of action-based research to put in the hands of young people that inquiry. What if we asked a million 12-year-olds, what, yeah. what should health look like? How should, mm-hmm. what should learning look like? I think schools should be designed as giant research laboratories where young people get to invent the future, mm. right? I mean, who are we to say that what has worked for our generation should work for their generation, right? I mean, that is, you know, Hannah Arendt has this great quote about renewal. And do we care for our young people enough to enable them to make their own choices? I'm ad-libbing, of course, right? Right, right. But to me, that would mean, you know, three things. It would be school. It's almost as though all fixed knowledge, all pre-existing knowledge is now available at the tap of our fingers Right. With technology. So the real act of learning, maybe guiding principle number one, is that learning should be focused on the invention of new knowledge. <laughs> right? Yeah. If pre-existing knowledge is transactional, sure, we need to contextualize. We need to figure out the relationships in order for that transactional knowledge to become alive. But The real pursuit of learning is the active invention of new knowledge. So that would be number one. Number two, I would say, if that's the case, I have this dangerous idea, maybe because of your audience, this may not resonate, but hear me out. Okay. I don't know if we need teachers in the way that we've previously conceived of them. Mm -hmm. What if teachers were more like journey partners and concierges and facilitators where they were available to help contextualize, to help form relational knowledge, but they really are almost like venture capital entrepreneurial investors in a young generation figuring it out. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think teachers need to get out of the way and become guiding travel partners. Now, that sounds very conceptual, and probably the best teachers are saying, well, that is what I do. I was going to say, like, I was, I was thinking that's what I did, right? Yeah. So, yeah. But imagine if, I mean, if at scale, mm-hmm. I don't know, you might know the data, but let's say America has 500,000 teachers, a million teachers, whatever. If we reimagined the national learning ecosystem as a million travel guides, imagine where we could go. Yeah. Right? So that would be number two. So I'd say number three that means that actually the location doesn't matter. The question matters. The issue matters. Mm-hmm. Right? If, you know, if we wanted to reimagine the future of housing, 
maybe rather than spending our money here on this or that, maybe they need to go to Bali to look at how bamboo is being used to make housing. Mm -hmm. I mean, travel and the global sheer range of diversity that is available to the wisdom of pre-existing knowledge in order to build upon that for new knowledge, I think is wildly underestimated. So I think the third for me is it's not just diversity inclusion because of a, you know, kind of um, uh, language or a buzz term. I think in, in education and learning, diversity is there is an extraordinary universe of cultural knowledge mm -hmm. that we have accidentally written out of the curriculum that may be the reason and the last new frontier to unlock and connect the sciences and humanities in ways that we have not been able to yet. Brilliant. Well, Seth, we covered a lot of ground um, <laughs> today's conversation. If there was more, I think. Travel partner, you, you're, you're fulfilling my dream of a future teacher, my friend. That's what I try to do. So thank you very much. In of everything we spoke about today, what's the one thing you want a ruckus maker to remember? I think to ask for more. You know, I think mm -hmm. things are a little quiet out there. We're facing so much right now. It feels like everything is changing. And I think we need to ask for more, right? We, 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 can, we can ask more of our leaders. We can ask more of our communities. We can ask more of our business, businesses. I just think we need to really dial up the expectations. We, utopia is still worth fighting for. Let's just say that. Thanks for listening to the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast, Ruckus Maker. If you have a question or would like to connect, my email, daniel at betterleadersbetterschools.com or hit me up on Twitter at Alien Earbud. If the Better Leaders, Better Schools podcast is helping you grow as a school leader, then please help us serve more ruckus makers like you. You can subscribe, leave an honest rating and review, or share on social media with your biggest takeaway from the episode. Extra credit for tagging me on Twitter at Alien Earbud and using the hashtag BLBS. Level up your leadership at betterleadersbetterschools.com and talk to you next time. Until then, class dismissed. Mm -hmm.